Everyday peacemakers are not professional humanitarians. We're everyday people who are learning to see God and ourselves in others. We're daring to step off the road of comfort and immerse into reality. In the face of injustice, conflict, and violence, we are choosing to contend, not by getting even, but by getting creative in love. Everyday peacemakers are everyday people who are embedded within a world divided by difference, and these are our stories. Welcome to Everyday Peacemaking, a global immersion podcast hosted by me, Haley Mitsui, John Huckins, and Jer Swigart. And as always, we're going to ease into this week's conversation with a question of the week. Do you remember what posters you hung on your bedroom walls when you were in high school? Ooh, so <laughs> good. Go first. I have I have two posters in my Only childhood two. bedroom. Okay. Number one, Michael Jordan's wingspan. Ooh, Classic. Wow. Classic. Classic. Number two, Bo Jackson's black and blue. Okay. Remember that? In the Raider garb and the oh, Royals yeah. garb. Oh, Got yeah. the bat over his shoulder. Oh, it's an athlete. Ooh. Okay. That's why. Uh, Hale's yeah, one of the greatest athletes of all time. <laughs> okay, I know who Michael Jordan is, but I was thinking Bo Jackman was like a horse. Is there a horse named Bo something? Bo, Bo, ja- <laughs> Bo, <laughs> Bo Jackson, literally the strongest athlete on the planet to oh, this day. Gotcha. What do you got, Hales? Okay. Oh, wow. I mean, my room was littered with posters. So I'll try to make this quick. Three of Jonathan Taylor Thomas, obviously. Mm-hmm. Obvi. Um, uh, my actually, I also had an athlete um, in my room. My whole like one wall was just collaged with all Ichiro, um, okay. like cutouts from Man, the newspaper. That guy could hit. Yeah, Something. I was like obsessed, obsessed with him. Um, and then. Um, so one wall was de- dedicated to JTT, one wall dedicated to JTT. Ichiro, and then the third wall was dedicated to all of my favorite Christian musicians. Ooh. We had some Amy Grant. We had some sweet Smitty. Switch, okay, I'm not old like Petra no, before Smitty, my yeah. time. Petra, har- Harvest? <laughs> Harvest is up there. No, I had some yeah. DC Talk Newsboys. Reliant K. Mm. Oh, yeah. Reliant yeah, K. NKOTB. Wait, what? New Kids on the Block. Oh, no. No, these are I only, I only listen Jared to Christian music. Jared didn't grow up as evangelical as we did, so it's just a little over his head. <laughs> burn, also, burn that's your before my page. time. I think my first secular album was Britney Spears. Secular. And then, no, you guys, the worst. I'm sorry, and then John can go. No, I take had, your time. like... <laughs> <laughs> you know, Britney Spears, NSYNC, Spice Girls. And then I went to this Acquire the Fire conference where they yeah. told us to break all of our secular CDs. And oh I gosh. did. No, you didn't. I broke them all. Jewels in heaven have been stored away for you mm-hmm. from that moment. I can't Hales. wait to turn that into jewelry. That's what my theology says. Um, for me, uh, I had a, a poster on the roof so I could lay on my back and watch... Rob Machado get barreled, surfer. He was fantastic. And so I would just wake up to it, go to sleep to it, imagine life inside the barrel. And nice. then you got a little, my other favorite surfer, <laughs> Tim Curran, Timmy Curran, and Will the Thrill, of course, the lefty San Francisco Giants. Um, and I, I believe I had a five iron frenzy. Hey-o. or Or potentially a Newsboys, which was, you know, they were super edgy because they were later in my my life there. Mm-hmm. But uh, got to represent them. 
feel like it's God's God's work for the world. Five Iron Frenzy played one of their farewell shows at my high school. That's our little claim to fame. Mm, Congrats on that. Well, hey, uh, from Five Iron Frenzy (laughs) to uh, incredible human beings who live in the, the midst of Borderlands, both in regards to identity and experience and also physically here in Tijuana, San Diego, we have a conversation with Liliana Reza coming up. Look forward to you all listening in. Really thrilled to have uh, a friend here that is not only a fellow San Diegan, but someone who cares deeply about our binational reality here in Tijuana, San Diego. Liliana, welcome to the Everyday Peacemaking Podcast. Well, hi, John. I'm really happy to be here. Thank you for having me. You bet. Yeah. So you can share more about yourself. She, uh, Liliana is a campus pastor here at Point Loma. Uh, university. And so why don't you jump in, share a bit about what you do, and um, and then we'll jump into some everyday peacemaking combo. Yeah. So as you mentioned, I am one of the campus pastors at Point Loma Nazarene University. And I also oversee a program that's called Ministry with Mexico, which is basically just a, a way of saying um, that we are committed as a community, as a Point Loma University community to engage and sustain and cultivate really good friendships with our friends and neighbors across the the border here in TJ and um, alongside other border towns like Tecate, Ensenada. Um, So yeah, so it's just a a commitment that we have. Beautiful. Yeah. And Liliana and I are, um, there's a collective of clergy that help support what's called Border Church, which happens Every week uh, down here between San Diego and Tijuana to share a common meal of the Eucharist uh, to, to represent a kingdom that transcends borders. And Liliana is very connected to that in addition to uh, her work at Point Loma. Would you, would you give us some backstory as to what led you to be a, a campus pastor in the borderlands? I know there was intentionality about a move to a space in the borderlands based on who you are and the life you live. Um, and then invite us into what that, how that's playing itself out here in this border context. This is this will be year number three um, as I begin to journey with uh, the university students and just the community here. It's been a wonderful, exciting, chaotic, uh, stretching. There's a lot of words I would like to use, but um, so little time. So to give you a little bit of a backstory, I actually grew up in Oklahoma. I'm from Oklahoma City, and I am. I was born and raised there, but I actually grew up crossing the the El Paso um, Juarez border um, uh, most of my life. Yeah, so my mom is actually from Juarez, and that's where she grew up, and then spent some time in El Paso when she crossed over. Um, mom and dad met in Oklahoma, and then ta-da, here I am. And so when I look back at my life, I. I I see myself like in a lot of like in between spaces constantly. As a child, like I told you, I was like crossing the border and going to visit great grandma and great grandpa. Um, I was like constantly going down to see extended family all the way down to Zacatecas, you know, where my dad's from, Um, like just constantly going back and forth. And then in my own reality, my own context in Oklahoma City, um, just I was part of a, a migrant church, 99.9, almost percent, uh, uh, undocumented. And then navigating that space in, in my own community with going to school um, and a just different kind of neighborhood. As I look back on the ways that God has like shaped me and is continuing to shape me, I feel like I'm always like in this like in between. And if I get teary, I, I'm sorry. It's just that 
um, I feel like we're all collectively right now living in a big in-between. And so it just like really is, is something that God is, God is doing something. And I'm not exactly sure what to call it other than that right now. Um, and so later in college, um, I felt a calling to ministry and I found myself serving, um, as a missionary in South America, another kind of bigger (laughs) in between space crossing borders, um, doing that throughout Brazil, Argentina, Paraguay, um, working with college students, high school students, middle schoolers, uh, helping them and really coaching them, uh, which is a lot of what I do here at, at PLNU as well, which is like walking alongside and guiding and and helping students identify what is it that God is doing in you and uh, how is it that God is speaking to you. So that's a, that's that's the way that the pastoral kind of side of what I do works. And then the other side of that um, is more of the like cross-cultural, uh, which I feel like can be identified as we're talking about it, right? Uh, this like crossing back and forth. And uh, I don't know if it's a full circle or not, but um, it's funny how God works. And I find myself in another border town. And this is, this is where my heart is right now. And I'm really happy to be here. You know, this, there's some people that have kind of a figurative relationship to being, um, to living in that in-between space that those crossing borders is part of their disposition, but there's something about you where it's, it's part of your disposition, but it's actually who you are in so many ways too, as I, as I hear you talk about, even living in Oklahoma, I can't imagine, like I can imagine a majority sentiment that many of us think of Oklahoma as, is, is not necessarily familiar with a church community that's made up of 99.9% of immigrants, many of whom are undocumented. Even that is shifting our paradigms for what we think is normal. And then every step of the way, you know, you have been living in those in-between spaces. And now, you know, when we when we last connected, one of the things that stood out to me so much was you are now back in the borderlands in Tijuana, San Diego, which is a geography of, of borders. But you're also in an institution and walking with students who are seeking to navigate all the complexities of this moment, like you're talking about right now. We feel like we're in this precipice moment and we need guides to walk us through these these inherited cultural religious um borders and in their treacherous waters so would you share a little bit about what that's looked like for you whether it's a story or what you're seeing now as a pastor in the borderlands to students the last couple of years at point loma i've seen an openness and a willingness from students to want to engage now is this like the majority of the student body Probably not. You know, this is an opt-in kind of thing. Like it, you opt in to go um, across the border. It, that looks like asking hard questions together, sitting in, um, you know, cognitive dissonance together and just living, like sitting in that discomfort or that pain, if it's pain or that um, trigger, if it's a trigger for them, whatever that looks like or feels like for them and helping them really slowing down and just recognizing the proximity of of this reality of that, you know, we are literally like the university is just a few minutes away um, from the border. And what does that mean for them as followers of Jesus? You know, if they want to live the way of Jesus, what did Jesus do? And how did Jesus walk and live into these in-between spaces, you know, to kind of like bring that in again, like what does, what did that look like for him? And how can we really embody that? Do they come out with answers? Sometimes, and sometimes they don't. And, you know, and then reminding them that 
that's what a journey is all about. That's what living the way of Jesus is all about is in the midst of the unknown or uncertainty, still deciding to continue the walk and still deciding to continue to say yes with every step that we're taking and we're taking it together. I'm curious as with your students that are on that, that you're walking on that journey with, what have you seen be the most significant kind of transformation come from that power of proximity or immersion? Like you're immersing them into a reality that is so polarized and divisive in our country here in the borderlands, but you're inviting them into it as a faithful practice of following Jesus to be peacemakers here in this space. You're sharing communion with people on both sides of the borders. Like, What are you seeing? What, what's a story of transformation or, or what are the what are the what are the resistances you've had from people that are that are confronting the brokenness within themselves as they wake up to these kinds of realities? A couple of students that come to mind um, that really set in this dissonance, if that's what we want to call it, or in this journey, uh, and they set in it for a while to the point of mobilizing not just themselves but their friends and their families to dig deeper and saying, "Come with me and take this commitment with me." And this is why this is important. And this is. And if we're going to live the way of Jesus together, we're going to do this together. And I want to invite you to come with me into these deep waters. I had a student who, I mean, she she went back and she like mobilized her local church and was saying, um, in what ways can we begin to serve our migrant community here in our city? Um, every student responds differently. I had another student that um, mobilized the entire university. <laughs> like, you know, he was the leader on campus and um, we had just come back from a pilgrim, a border pilgrimage, and the migrant caravan was coming and literally mobilized the entire PLNU community to partner with shelters in Tijuana. And the ways that students respond and the ways that the, the spirit moves in them isn't always exactly the same. But I, I believe that there is definitely Holy Spirit movement that happens in, the, in these like pilgrimages and these trips that we take across the border. That's true. I mean, we often describe these experiences as intentional disorientation so we can actually create space for the spirit to move us back to a reorientation in the way of Jesus. Let me ask one more question. You know, for you as someone who, uh, you're not just inviting your students as a pastor into a physical borderland, you are inviting them into your own story as someone who is shaped by the borderlands, whose identity is tied and families on both sides of the border. How is that for you to walk with people through ignorance or just just you know simple uh, being naive and inviting inviting them into such sacred spaces of who you are how do you handle that to be generous with people on their journey when they react and get defensive whatever it might be and at the same time uh, create a, a safe space for yourself as one who's lived in this space and is shaped by it Honestly, I'm still learning how to do that. There are some times that it's really frustrating. I'm not going to lie. I really believe in living into like vulnerability and authenticity, honestly. Um, so on these um, experiential trips, I really come in there with like a posture of like, I'm learning with you. I'm literally learning alongside with you. And as I'm retelling and opening up my own story, I'm learning more about myself, honestly. And I tell them, I'm like, there's a lot of things that because you've opted in to be a part of Border Pilgrimage with us that you're going to learn about me that a lot of students on campus will probably never like get to hear this part of my story inside. 
that's what I kind of desire to create and co-create with them, right? Um, a posture of both of a learner, but definitely of listener. Um, and, and hopefully that demonstrate that, you know, we can live and learn and love together and all that good stuff. Yeah, Liliana, thank you so much for inviting us not only into uh, a life that's, that embodies this precarious space of being uh, on, on, on the borders and in the borders and in tension. And with your identity, you live that with your practice now as a pastor, inviting students in the next generation into a way beyond borders and boundaries and into the, the beauty of the kingdom of God. Uh, we are grateful for that and your generosity and your posture in it. So appreciate you being with us. Yeah. Thank you for having me. Uh, so struck in that conversation with Eliana, John, about how, how she framed this idea of, of navigating the in-between and um, I like how she identified that in her person, in her exterior world. Uh, but she also went so far as to say, like, we are all in this moment in time navigating the in-between. And uh, and that just felt, when she said that, it felt so true to me. And that, um, and I think even as an everyday peacemaker, like our understanding that we don't we don't dwell on one side or another necessarily. We we inhabit the in-between spaces as bridge builders, you know? And I, and I think... I think that she did a really great job of, of then parsing that out. And I just want to hit on some of these pieces, like literally like the practices of navigating the in-between that I heard her, um, I heard her offer. Uh, she said, uh, slow down, uh, ask good questions. She said, sit in the dissonance. And that's something that we, I think it keeps coming up in every conversation we have as we're training everyday peacemakers is that we have to grow in our tolerance of discomfort and the dissonance and not retreat from it, not try to correct it, but to just simply linger in it because it seems like that dissonance is the space of transformation for all of us. So there's something about our ability to metabolize dissonance that is really, really important if we're navigating in between spaces. Um, and then she talked about um, actually acknowledging the proximity, you know, which, which I thought was interesting. She, like she was referring like spatially Point Loma is literally just a few miles away from the border, but it feels like it could, it, it may as well be hundreds of miles away for, for some folk. But for all of us in our spaces, whether we live in an actual physical borderland or not, we, we live in proximity with folk who are different than us, different ideologies, different creedal backgrounds, different sexual orientations, you name it. We live in proximity with these folk. Can we acknowledge it? You know, because uh, if we can acknowledge it, then we can maybe start to move toward it. Um, and then, I, I mean, essentially in, in, in what she did, she offered us an idea of what incarnation, like when we talk about immersion as a faith-based peacemaking training organization, immersion is the, the, a lived theology of incarnation. So all of these things, all of these practices that she offered, we actually see in Jesus. We watched him ask questions, sit in the dissonance, slow down, acknowledge proximity, take steps together. You know, so like, I don't know, there's a lot to pull out of there for all of us in this crazy in-between moment as everyday peacemakers. Yeah, I mean, I, I also deeply resonated. I mean, she came right out of the gates kind of with that. I grew up in the in-between. And and then you you see that being a theme that she pulls on um, in her life, in her career, in her ministry. Um, 
but and myself, I'm mixed race, so I also resonate deeply with this in between. You're always in between, and and her as being bicultural. There's there's just this gray space that you inhabit when you don't neatly fit into one box or the other but the beautiful thing is she's done the interior work so if she didn't do her own work to understand that she's in the in-between she wouldn't be able to be helping people navigate their time in the in-between and she sees how it how in-betweenness transcends nationality race location it is just it's a it's a spirit place. It's a, you know, uh, it, it's like everyone uh, inhabits in between this um, and different seasons of their life. So just was a, a real gift. Um, and I think a deep accomplishment. I hope she's very proud of that. She has done so much work on her own life in the in between that she can be such a profound guide for others that are navigating those spaces. Would you, Hales, would you, as somebody who lives in the in-between, even from a cultural identity space, talk to us about this, the kinds of interior work that you've had to do? Oh, man. If, if we can put you on the spot. <laughs> how much time do we have? And how vulnerable <laughs> give us, do I want give, to give be? Us the most, give us the, the most, what's been most helpful for you recently? Yeah. Well, oh, my goodness. I mean, I, mean, I, I, I would say the biggest thing is that so many people fear the in-between, you know, they want to jump from one thing to the next thing. But when you are the in-between, you don't fear it is mm. otherwise you'd be fearing yourself or you'd be just in this constant state of discomfort, which honestly, I see a lot of people in, I see a lot of people in a lot of turmoil when they don't fit in these identity boxes that society gives us. So I think, the biggest thing that I've done is being able to see that gray area not as something to fear. Mm. That's mm -hmm. so good. And there's something about that too that your learnings resonate with at least what I experience of Liliana in, as, as fear is not running her life, uh, fear of who she is or even how she shows up in these spaces. If anything, like the, the generosity she has towards her other. I'm thinking about she's raised in Oklahoma in a migrant church w with a huge population who's undocumented, she is proximate to the pain all the time. That is her community. Imagine her other was probably someone who looked more like me, uh, who held a very different worldview, very different uh, theology. And then she, she spends her life not just reacting to the other, letting the other determine her future, but she is now a, a pastor at a university with a largely privileged white you know, population, inviting them into proximity with their other. So it's, it's almost like she's pastoring those that she was raised to see as her other. And now she's walking with that community generously and courageously and without fear into her own sacred story. That's what I was trying to hit on too with the last question of like, is that hard to invite people into something that's so sacred to you? Not just something you believe in, but something about who you are. And I think it was reflective of that work that she's done to be the kind of person who could do that with such understanding and generosity and a vision for the transformation that's possible in the lives of those that she's walking with. Yeah, there, there's there's a piece there that she she even brought up um, in this idea of ethnic identity, 
that like you can tell there's different forms of work that she's done and um dr lily mendoza actually speaks a lot writes a lot right now um about I don't think she uses the word pilgrimage, but like how important it is that we take the pilgrimage to get in touch with ethnic identity um, and how that roots and ground, it establishes us in a different kind of way to then be able to enter into the stories of people whose uh, experiences, backgrounds are completely different than ours. And so I, as she said that, it made me think even in some of the work that we've done together as a team, as we've transitioned transitions for us as a team have created really unique opportunities for us to get in touch deeper in touch with our own ethnic identities our ethnic and more indigenous stories based on where we've come from and our families have migrated from so that we can um, so that we can transition well and we can experience different kind of sacred uh, rituals uh, as individuals and as a team and how important that's been for us to then be able to hold space for one another and um, and enter into relationship uh, with uh, with other folks. So there's something to that pilgrimage into ethnic identity that I think is worth worth all of us thinking about. So true. And we we, I mean, yeah, I don't think like white Americans often see their ethnic identity as something worth diving into, but it is. There's there's so much, there is so much healing that we all can uh, benefit from, from, from knowing where we came from. Yeah. And to imagine that healing is going to directly impact the way that we show up uh, in our spaces. And so to think of someone like her, who's done some of that work uh, shaping the worldview of our next generation of Christians and Christian leaders is, is really inspiring. <laughs> it gives me some hope. Cause I've, I've heard some other stories recently of college students choosing a very different, uh, different path that's that's not bringing about goodness uh, or common good. And so the fact that people like her, everyday peacemakers are on campuses, shaping the worldview, the theology, the practice towards understanding personal identity and how that shows up uh, in border spaces is, is remarkable. So what a gift it was to have Liliana Reza here with us, someone who not only lives currently in this in-between space of the borderlands, but whose identity is shaped by it and who shapes the next generation who is in between uh, who they've been raised to be and who they're becoming. So we are deeply grateful for all the ways that she reminds us to live into that in-between as an opportunity for our own transformation. Friends, until next time we're together, remember God's restoration is happening. Now go participate in it and know that you're not alone. For more information on the work of Global Immersion, visit globalimmerse.org. Music in this episode was by King's Kaleidoscope and The Eagle and Child. This podcast is produced by Global Immersion and Adventure Vision Productions. If you haven't already, please subscribe, rate us, and leave a comment on Apple Podcasts or wherever you find your excellent podcasts.